Attention all units, please stand by to copy a bolo. Bolo from Anytown PD regarding a delayed homicide. The incident occurred at 123 Any Street, Anytown, USA. No suspect or vehicle description provided. All units are requested to respond to helpsolvethecase.com for briefing. Clear Bolo, 0818 hours. Hey, everybody, this is Christine here with Help Solve the Case, and we have, unfortunately, a new case to talk about. Uh, this is the case of, um, I guess we'll call it an unexplained death, which today, again, unfortunately, I, you know, um, I hate this. I've, I've got another mother uh, here with us to talk about what is going on with her and her frustrations and to talk about her son in the case and uh, to see if we can help her help solve the case and get the answers that she wants uh, regarding her, her son's, we'll call it an unexplained death. And so uh, welcome, Melanie. Um, how are you doing today? Um, thank you, Christine. I am um, I'm taking one day at a time. You know, not very good, but I got to do what I got to do, man. I tell you these, these, you know, I don't want to, you know, throw any, any shade or whatever to the dads, but the moms, you know, the, the mama bear, I call it the mama bear factor, um, just really kicks into, to overdrive here. And, um, the ladies, you know, cause I've seen some good fights. I can't really say that. Um, but I've seen some really good fights from dads too, but um, I just can't imagine the impact of, you know, and I don't want to make you upset, but I want the listeners to realize, you know, you, you carried this child um, for nine months and to lose a child and, and to not have any answers. It's just terrible. And, and we want to let our listeners know that this is fairly, this is fairly recent with all we've got going on in the world. Um, and you can talk about it too. We've talked a little bit before we've gotten on the podcast here. Um, and, and let me just mention, we will be working this case. If you want to join us uh, folks as a virtual investigator uh, to get some answers for Melanie and, and her family. But um, this is a recent case and, and if I remember correctly, were you, were you notified by phone Yes, from the sheriff's department, Which, about nine o'clock um, Central Standard Time, Texas time. Okay, which is rotten because they should have sent someone to your house. That's just my opinion. That that's right. that's just rotten. So, so I'm going to let you kind of. Could you just kind of let us know? Um, you know, I guess tell us the story of what happened. You got this this phone call. Um, and, and, you know, just give us a brief overview up to, to where we are today. Okay. Um, my son was a cross country truck driver and, um, um, he had been working for this company, you know, for a little while and he had a co-driver and basically his body was found 
in the woods of Coconino County, Belmont area, with a stab wound to the heart and several puncture wounds to the neck. Um, but the truck stop where they stopped at, the terminal, pilot terminal, they say they didn't have any cameras. I cannot believe that because a truck terminal, pilot terminal, you know, not having cameras for those drivers, for the safety of those drivers, as well as um, anyone else. Um, the fingerprint of the knife was, they didn't fingerprint the knife. Um, his jewelry was missing, his watch and his uh, bracelet that he never took off, that he had received from his fiance. They had matching bracelets. So, um, I'm sorry. So basically, um, they rushed it real quick. It was uh, Thanksgiving Eve. So they rushed it real quick uh, as a suicide before um, they said they didn't need to investigate, fingerprint the knife. Um, the driver, his co-driver, stayed in the truck over an hour before reporting back to dispatch that Ryan was missing. Now, he hadn't slept in a while. And Ryan had been complaining that, you know, he was being overworked over the hours, limitations of what drivers should drive. He was a new truck driver. And okay. uh, let me let me just interrupt you there for a second um, so we can get a little bit more detail, because some some folks may not. Um, we've got some terminology and some things that some folks may not be familiar in, with. Right. So, okay. so uh, first of all, this happened in Arizona. Right. And so your son. Yes was you mentioned a co-driver so when everybody sees those big rigs on the road sometimes they have one driver and sometimes they have two drivers so that they can get there faster and frequently if you've ever tried to get gas at one of these places or whatever you see um you know you you see these tractor trailers on the side of the road and stuff but they usually like to pull into the the truck stops so that um, you know, you see them, they're all over the place cause they're big vehicles. And, um, I I'm going to say this, like, I, I would assume that they assume, right. Uh, I knew someone that was an over the road truck driver and, and I was told that this was a safe place. And so they mm-hmm. pull in there to take showers and to get food and there's all kinds of stuff that they could do there. So, so, exactly. okay. So let's go back to a little bit about you. So he's, he's in Arizona driving. Apparently they stopped. Um, and this is the area, I believe somewhere around, um, Williams and I forget the other city King. Um, is it Kingman? It's off the oh, Belmont. Yeah. It, well, that's not a well-known name, uh, for us, uh, but it's off the I 40, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, um, where were they going? Which way were they going? Were they going east or west? Or do you know? No, I don't. I don't. Um, I really don't. Ryan had, um, not slept in a few days. And so his driver, um, called dispatch and said, you know, Ryan's not feeling well. He's not talking, uh, He's talking incoherent. He hasn't slept in a few days. And so they immediately said, okay, well, we're going to let you guys stay off the road so Ryan can get some sleep. And then you guys can proceed on. Okay. Um, All right. right. Hang on mm -hmm. a second. I want to go back to, 
so you're so they're in Arizona, whichever way they were going, and mm-hmm. and you're in Texas, and right. you get this phone call, which I think is rude, but um, because we're trained differently. For those of you that don't mm-hmm. know, I'm a former law enforcement officer, detective, or whatever. That's like the worst death notification is the worst thing to do. Um, the way I understand it, you call another jurisdiction and you have somebody go to the house. So, right. so anyway, you, you get this call and, and what did they tell you? I just want to set the stage for what you knew as you knew it. And then we can talk about, I want to talk about how you started realizing or thinking that, you know, because you get this initial thing and that's what you think. And then how you're like, wait a minute. Um, I, I want to see what kind of started your red flags going or, or what, how the information started coming in to you start putting, you know, one and one is two and it's not five and, and how your mm-hmm. suspicion or your gut instinct developed. So what did they tell you on the phone? Okay. Um, I received the phone call about nine o'clock at night, uh, Texas time. And he said, um, he said, this is the sheriff's department for, you know, Coconino County. Right. And I said, are you Ryan's mother? Do you know Ryan Lee? And I said, yes, that's my son. And they said, well, ma'am, when was the last time you spoke with Ryan? And because he's a truck driver, we would speak throughout the day or he would text me. So, you know, my mind first said, oh, sometime earlier today. He said, well, ma'am, I hate to inform you, but Ryan has passed away. <sighs> and of course, I went into shock and, you know, running around screaming through the house. And and then as the days proceeded, um, I'm calling and I said, well, how? And then he said he was stabbed in the heart. He stabbed himself in the heart. OK, wait a minute. I, I, said, got, I have to interrupt you here. I apologize. OK, so they- that's OK. So they call you and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, let me apologize on behalf of whoever that was, because that was just not appropriate. Um, and so I apologize, but so I, I guess I'm thinking if I got that phone call, they didn't even tell you what happened. They just said that, that he had passed and that was it. And and then, uh, you know, well, I went into a state of shock, Christine, yeah. when he said, I, I hate to inform you, but uh, Ryan has passed away. And I immediately just started screaming through the phone, yeah. I guess. And I started yeah. screaming and hollering. And and uh, that's when my husband picked up the phone and he was like, this is her husband. What's going on? And he told my husband and I was still screaming. Yeah. And that's when my husband said, well, we're going to have to call you back. He said, I okay. got to call you back. My wife, you know, yeah. so yeah. that's what happened with that one. Okay. So, but it's, so it's, so it's a couple days. I mean, so you had no idea. And then it's a couple days later and then they're telling you, so they told you he was stabbed in the heart. Yeah. They okay. said he was okay. uh, yeah, stabbed in the heart. Right. Sorry. My investigator is kicking in. Um, so they told you a couple of days later that he was stabbed in the heart, but mm-hmm. did they give you a, and we're going to talk technical terms here. You, you have a, a criminal justice background training, right? So we'll talk. Yeah. So that. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, did they tell you 
the manner of death or did they just say he was stabbed in the heart? Um, they said that he, it was a self-inflicted wound. Um, okay. And my mind, because one thing about my son, he didn't like sharp objects. Now, if he had called and said, well, he blew his head off, I'd be like, mm, probably. <laughs> He'd want to get it over with quick. But they said, you know, it was a self-inflicted wound. So I said, well, did you fingerprint the knife? And they said, no, we didn't need to. We could. And I said, why? That's just basic thing you do for anybody. And right. he said, because we could tell by the position of the body that he did it to itself. And I said, but I got to uh-huh, interrupt you again. I'm sorry. Who and who were you? Talking, no, no. Who were you talking to the detective or the dispatcher or what? No, I was talking to the detective. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so he's telling you that based on the position of the body, he could tell that it was self-inflicted. Yeah. They didn't need to um, fingerprint the knife because they could tell from the position of the body that it was a self-inflicted wound. There was no other uh, evidence around his body. Uh, okay. Well, cause position of the body and evidence around the body, that's like two different things. Okay. So go on. So, um, so I was complaining about the knife and backing up that night, I forgot to tell you backing up that night after we got the phone call that my son was dead. My youngest son is a truck driver. He drives by himself and he called the dispatch of my, um, son's uh, uh, headquarters and he told them he said hey you know what about the guy that was in the truck with you know why did he wait an hour before he called you guys and and something was said to him and my son said I know you didn't let that guy go you need to bring him back bring him back to the terminal they need to talk to him he's the last person that was staying with my brother and so I guess they brought, from what I know, I guess they brought him back. He had left. And they called the, the driver to come back to the terminal for him to be questioned. Now, this is all hearsay right now uh, from what my son was saying. He said, no, I know you didn't let him go. You need to call him back and tell him to come back to the station. So they did. And um, why the guy sat in the truck an hour, I do not know, because that's not proper protocol when you're team driving. Um, if your partner does not come back within a reasonable time, if they go and use the restroom or they're going to get something to eat, you get out, you go look for your partner because you're on a time clock. Right. And so when you're sitting, you're not making money. So the guy waited over an hour, even though the dispatch said, we're going to let you guys uh, take, I think, six hours off so Ryan can get some sleep. And they spoke with Ryan on the phone. Ryan got off the phone, went into, uh, I guess, went into the terminal. The guy said he never saw him come out. And they say there's no cameras. So nobody knows if he went into the terminal. Nobody knows when he came out. All they know is that his body was found later. Now, prior to that, when they were driving, Ryan got a phone call that upset him very badly. And the team driver said, Ryan got upset and threw his phone out the window. I kind of have a problem with that because that's his lifeline. Ryan had, you know, other uh, activities. He had children. He had me. 
I don't think he would, maybe he would throw his phone out the window. When my son, my youngest son asked the detective, well, what did, who was he talking to the last person he spoke with? And they said, oh, well, well, the phone was thrown out the window. So, you know, it was too cracked up. But my son said, but what about that Sims card? That Sims card always bings off the towers, even if the phone is cracked. And he said, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't uh, go get the phone. We just know it was thrown out in Williams, Arizona. Okay, so that's all prior to. Then when he got to the terminal, he said, call my mom. Will you please call my mom? I need to talk to my mom. And they said, um, the co-driver called dispatch, got, gave Ryan the number. And from what he said, he misdialed the number from what the co-driver said. He got out the truck, went into the terminal, and then he was never seen again. So, so the, um, and, and you've given me the police reports, which we're going to go over and we're going to go into the investigation more further in the bullpen session. Um, But, but I'm asking, cause you know, I'm hearing this and, and this is why it's so important to have other people work on this with you and talk to you about this because um, I know we briefly talked about this before getting on the podcast, but so Ryan supposedly made a phone call on the co-driver's phone. Is that what I'm hearing? But he missed out um, the number or was that supposedly in the truck stop? He missed down the number. I think it was on Nick's phone. Yeah, his co-driver's phone. The the, the dispatch gave the number to uh, Nick to give to Ryan, and Ryan missed down the number. So what the detective said. Okay, so and yeah, so, so one of the things that we would look at is we would want to see that phone, right? I mean, I guess. I guess kind of where we're at, um, like to boil it down, is uh, when we when we look at these, like what do, what do we think is 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 wrong with it? Um, from what it sounds to me, uh, they they made a very early determination. Like, was it that day that they determined it was suicide? As far as you know, yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, uh, you know, I personally agree with you uh, for, for the knife, right. As, um, Mm -hmm. just, just from what I've seen and, and as a police officer, people tend to think that, you know, guns are more deadly, but the knife is like, that's not something I want to get near at all. Right. Uh, you know, for some, for some reason, the, the knife to me is, is worse, so, that, yeah. so I understand that, um, you know, when, when people talk about different things and just to me on its face, first of all, that you have, um, because I, I've worked legitimate suicides and you, you don't close out those cases in, in a day. Um, and, and as a detective, the way I was trained is that everything is proven, uh, not homicide, uh, uh, not proven, but everything is homicide until proven otherwise. 
And so when we're talking, it's just, you know, I mean, unless it's, it's, it's very clear. And even in some of the clear cases, like, like in my mind, I just thought about somebody, you know, walking in front of a vehicle or jumping off a bridge or something like that. But you, you still have questions because, with a potential suicide, you, you have state of mind, but you also have the opportunity that somebody could have staged something. And in this case, what really struck me again, you know, we really haven't delved into the details, but when you, to me, when you have two parties that are present and there's a knife, uh, that, you know, when somebody else is present, that's always a question and you want to eliminate everything. um, everything possible. And we've talked about, I think um, you, you haven't been involved in some of the other cases, but sometimes the law enforcement and, and I don't want to say purposefully or whatever, they get what's called tunnel vision. And, um, and that's why I like having everybody participate, the virtual investigators and, and the, the victim's family and everybody just to talk about it and brainstorm, because sometimes you, you just don't see it and you've been so close to it or, or whatever. And, um, so I'm just shocked that they would have, you know, with a person there, first of all, they would have closed it so quickly, Um, you know, there are some other things that we're going to go into and we're going to talk about, and we're going to have to try to rule out from, sorry, maybe some medical. Yep. I'm sorry to to interject. Okay. They, um, they did have to wait until they got the toxicology report because they were saying, well, because I was saying he killed himself and they were like, well, sometimes if they're on drugs, they'll do that. If there's something in their system. And I said, well, I know Ryan. He never did drugs, but, but, you know, praise God, there was no drugs in his system at all. There was nothing. Um, so I was very happy about that, that, you know, there was nothing that caused him no substance. So I did have to wait for that. But in the meantime, this is what they were telling me. This is what they were telling my family that, um, it was uh, self-inflicted. That was before we got the official um, death certificate. Right. So when I would call my husband, my cousins, you know, that's what they told us. Right. They didn't and tell that, us and to wait. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's what I'm trying to trying to get at. That they, even though they didn't, let's just say what it appears, and we'll say appears to be right. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't formalize it with the medical examiner giving a cause of death, but the police, it sounds like from either that day or the next day, because sometimes it can take, and I don't know how long it took in this case, a week or two for the talks to come back. Um, Mm, 90 days. Wow. Okay. But you know, were they investigating a potential homicide for 90 days? No. Right. That's not what it sounds like. And so, And so, and let's just talk about that. So, so what if he would have been on drugs? What if it was um, a dispute about, about a drug purchase or a drug sale and he got stabbed? Mm-hmm. So what does that have to do with it? Right. So right. Um, that's where this can be so tricky, putting the cart before the horse 
or or not. Um, me personally, I want to rule out, uh, and I might have talked about it in some of the other cases. I want to rule out any other possibility before I decide on something, and I want to be as close to a hundred percent certain as I can be because you just don't know. And so, here in this in this case, uh, it's it's very interesting because we have, and, and you sent me the report. It's, it's a very brief report. I don't mean to chuckle, but, um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just really surprised that it's, uh, you know, I don't know how to answer you necessarily on the knife yet, but it's a very short report. It's, it's just very surprising to me. We have uh, a weapon, we have two parties, we've, you know, we've got some other potential evidence and, uh, you know, it's just a, it seems to be strange circumstances and a very quick judgment. And again, you know, we weren't there. We don't know. We're going to have to look into it, but, um, and, and I've seen some strange things in my career, but again, like we were talking about on the phone before we came on the podcast. And I want to talk about I don't feel that any family member here, uh, I, I talk about with help solve the case, no one, no one should be victimized twice. And I feel that you're in a sense being victimized because you don't have the answers and the certainty that you need, whether that is more investigation, mm-hmm. which is debatable, right? The experts are going to mm-hmm. determine their need for that, but the ability Um, because what I'm hearing from you and and what I've felt when we talked is that, you know, you're being shut out and you're just being told basically to go with the flow. And this, this is what it is. And, and that's, and that's horrible. Yeah. I I feel that you should have your questions answered. Thank you. And Christine also, and we can talk about this a different time, but I wanted to say that when they, the detectives asked for my son's belongings, and, you know, in the truck and everything, the truck driver, his team driver, he, they said, where's his wallet? Well, they gave, he handed the wallet to the officer or the detective. And so they looked at it and they said, where's his driver's license? The guy, the team driver, reached in his front shirt pocket and pulled out Ryan's driver's license and handed it to the officer. And the officer said to him, so you have his driver's license in your shirt pocket. Is that because you wanted to have it ready and available when we asked for it? And I'm paraphrasing that. And then he replied, yes. Why is the officer feeding this this guy uh, words in his mouth? That was for the guy to answer. The officer put the words in his mouth. Oh, right. why do you have his driver's license in, in your front pocket? Is well, it because you wanted to have it ready and available for us when we asked for it? Uh, Something to that nature. Yeah, I'm I'm chuckling to myself here because um and and again, you know, I, I I'm just hearing this right here saying third party and I I, I don't have any facts whatsoever, but um what's coming to my, what popped into my mind was like identity fraud. Right. And I don't want to say that about anybody, but I'm like, why, why would you keep that? 
because, because that goes to the second question of, unless you're involved in law enforcement, um, you know, and other than a traffic accident where you exchange information, who is going to know that the police are going to want the ID unless, right. And we don't know, unless the dispatcher said, do you have his information? And he said, let me go get it. And then he read it to him or her. And they said, hang on to that. So you can give it to the detective, which is right. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, right. I don't and, and I don't know this co this yeah. co-driver from Adam, but that's just not something that somebody would know to have readily available. So exactly, you know, and you also, what about the jury, Christine? I'm sorry. What about Ryan had uh, a watch he always wore and he also had a a bracelet given to him by his uh, pre-fiance, I call her. They hadn't gotten officially engaged with rings, but they bought matching bracelets that he never took off. So where was the jewelry? And when I asked the detective that, he said, oh, he had jewelry. And I said, yes, he never took his bracelet off and he always wore his watch. And he said, oh, let me look at the crime scene photos. And then he said, well, I don't see any jewelry here. I said, then where is it? He said, well, uh, I don't know. I said, well, that sounds like, you know, he was maybe fighting or he got robbed. I said, that doesn't make sense that he would not. He never took that bracelet off. He might take his watch off to take a shower, but he never took that bracelet off. And those items were not found at his residence? No. Mm -mm. Well, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions and things that, that we want to talk about. Um, you know, uh, it just, it just, it just doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons. And again, uh, we're trying to Monday morning quarterback it. Uh, so, you know, we weren't there, we don't have the information. So basically what do we have to do? We have to try to recreate it. We have to try to verify it. And, you know, unfortunately, um, if it is, if it is true, then because, because I've had to do that in the, in the past, right. I've had to investigate stuff and I had to, one of my first cold case clients, I, I had to tell her that for all intents and purposes, you know, I believe that her, that her father murdered the mother and, and that was a hard thing, but the family had believed it all those years, you know, investigations, payoffs, all kinds of different things. And they had always felt that. And, you know, whether you like the outcome, at least to have, I don't even want to say an assurance that, that you feel comfortable with the, the way things appear to be right. Or, you know, you have to be comfortable with what your personal determination of the outcome is, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, right. I don't know how you would go through life. First of all, you have to deal with the tragedy and, and the second part when, cause I can understand, you know, especially with a potential suicide or, or something happening, you're like, how, how could this happen? I've lost this person, you know, psychiatrists and, and um, psychologists talk about denial, right? The stages of grief and all that. But I don't know how you would live your life going on with something that you felt was so 
far-fetched or so uh, unbelievable, how you deal with that on a daily basis? It's very hard. It, it's very traumatic. And, I, you know, I know I'll never be the same. But my thing is, Christine, even if they, even if you guys uncovered that he snapped <laughs> and, right. and, you know, and he's had worse incidents that, you know, he's come through. Brian was, anyway, I don't feel that they uh, did did their due diligence on handling the evidence or handling the case. This could be somebody else's child that didn't, let's just say, we're talking hypothetically, that didn't kill themselves. And, but you just sweep it under the rug. Now, I know it was the day before Thanksgiving. I didn't um, even realize that. Yeah. Right. And so I felt like they were sweeping it under the rug real quick. So uh, they because could go have the detectives. Be- yeah. And the detective went on vacation the very next day. That's why we couldn't really get a lot of information until he came back off of vacation. There was no one assigned to take over his case. And when I did call to try to talk to someone else, they said, oh, well, you have to wait till the detective so-and-so, and I have his name, but I keep it out, um, comes back. So we had to wait through the Christmas, through the Thanksgiving holiday break for him to even come back to talk to us. So I'm just saying that even if we find out they were wrong in how they handled the whole situation, you know, um, well, everything about it. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, and we were talking about before we got on the podcast again, thank you for reminding me because it's, it's a different, if it's, it's a different perspective because, um, and again, I, I don't know what these officers thought or didn't think or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe it's an opportunity because, uh, I, you know, and I understand from personally working these cases that from the terminology and the way that we deal with it, the victim is the victim, the deceased person or whatever type of crime. It's the person that is in front of you and... And the police are tasked with, uh, which sounds kind of cold, but, you know, investigating and, and clearing it or making an arrest or doing that. And, and the role isn't necessarily um, being, you know, having the support or whatever to be attuned to, to the rest of the victims or the ripple effect. And that could be from several factors from training or for whatever. I mean, just hearing this and and having been in law enforcement supervision, like it bothers me that they didn't have continuity. And and even the department being very small, potentially, Mm -hmm. they didn't have somebody taking the case. I mean, if the guy knew he was going on vacation, for instance, we used to do this when, when you were coming as a patrol officer, when you were coming to the end of your shift and the call was in your area, you would, they would get the oncoming person or somebody else that was going to be there to stay later would take the case so that you didn't have to necessarily do overtime or, or whatever. And so if, if you knew you were going out on vacation maybe again, I don't know, maybe that should have been given to another detective that could have been present. Right. It just, yeah. I mean, that's what jobs do. (laughs) Even regular jobs do that. 
Well, you know, and, and I don't know, we don't know what the department is or whatever, but a lot of times too, um, the functionality is what it is. Right. But sometimes, you know, and I hate using this word, we hear it in the news, you have to look at the optics of it, right? You know, how, Mm -hmm. how are we, so maybe they're thinking they're taking care of the victim at the scene, but they're not taking care of the victim with the family and providing answers and things like that. And that's where it just, it it just bothers me um, for our listeners too. And, And this is why I'm so passionate about doing this because you, you somewhat have answers, right? There are so many families, whatever that, that don't have any answer, but even when you have answers, you still don't have answers and not that you're going to ever be okay with a death, no matter the cause to, to still be questioning. It's, it's horrible. It just really bothers me. And this, this is one of the things one of the reasons that I do this and um, I'm hoping we can get some answers for you. Yeah, me too. And I didn't tell you that the sheriff's department was called in um, also, not only, uh, I mean, not the sheriff's department, the state troopers. That's what I meant. DPS. State troopers were also on the scene. Yeah. Well, depending, depending on the jurisdiction, um, yeah, in Arizona, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I briefly went through the report. I don't remember exactly who did what, but if the, the sheriff's office probably should have had jurisdiction in the case, but maybe they needed backup. I, I think they were talking about something about the search. And so that's a kind of sort of remote area. So they, they probably kind of did a, all hands on deck. And then too, mentioning that it is the Thanksgiving holiday, maybe people in the department were already on vacation. So We just don't know, but I believe that you deserve to have your questions answered and answered in a way that whether you like it or not, you're comfortable with why it is the way that they say that it is right. Uh, Or, or like the Scott Madden case, you have the opportunity to get experts like people like me to look at it. We've had another toxicologist look at it. Uh, we're getting phone people to look at it, right? Just to get a second mm-hmm. opinion exactly. like, like you would, because you have to be comfortable. You may not like it, but you have to be comfortable. So um, just my sympathy goes out to you because I, I, I just don't, I don't like any part of this. I don't like that you have questions. I don't like that you lost your son. And I, and I don't like, I don't like having to ask these questions about law enforcement, a profession that I hold so dear to my heart. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that we can get some answers for you. And I appreciate you trusting us to look into this for you. And um, I guess, you know, thank you for sharing with our listeners and, and we're going to be working this in the, in the bullpen. I'll announce the next date soon, but do you have any questions okay. in the meantime, before we all get together and, and dive into it? <laughs> um, I was trying to write down things as you, as you were talking, um, other than, yeah, um, I talk I really fast. Feel, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was trying to uh, keep my train of thought because I wanted to tell you that I really feel like that sheriff's department, that they all need to go through some recurrent training or have them, you know, 
when this is all over, they need to go over, okay, where did we drop the ball here? How can we be better next time in the future? So I really feel that once we get our part done, because like I said, this could be somebody else's child that actually did not self-inflict wounds or whatever. That's what I'm going for. And also I, I, I want us to delve more deeply into if Ryan was overworked, as he said he was, and that caused him not to be able to rest because they're constantly driving. He's driving over the limit. Can we research the information on the trucking company and, and, and their limitations, you know, um, in handling the case also? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many factors. Yeah, there's different, um, I guess, I, you know, the word that just came into my mind is like, is like recourse and... Um, I'm not a lawyer, right? So I can't, I can't comment on that, but, um, it's, it's, but I'll answer that in a second, but it's kind of like I told Scott Madden's dad and we were talking about it with the frustration. Uh And I said, I, I get the feeling, right. That you, you as, as, as a family member that has lost somebody, um, not that you want vengeance per se or whatever, but you no. want, I mean, depending on the case, right. Um, but, yeah. but you, you need something to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you need something to, to satisfy it, to make it right. And for instance, I was talking to Alexis Edwards, mom and about an initiative, maybe doing something in Alexis's honor or whatever, like you never know why these things happen or where it's going to take you, but you, you want to get a result out of it. Um, feeling satisfied is not the right word. That kind of sounds horrible, but, um, you want something good or you want a result again, like I said, you want to feel that you have all your questions answered. You want to feel comfortable and to be able to to do something. So we don't know where it's going to go in this case, but yes, that, that does raise some questions for instance, with the officers and with DPS being there um, because there are truck driver regulations. Are there uh, civil remedies you know should Mm -hmm. should this co-driver have noticed something or done something should the company uh, have done something because back in my law enforcement days right with the the dot they they've got motor carrier compliance and they they have people that investigate this and they've passed laws specifically for this um so we just don't know and and we we'll keep digging or whatever until you get to the point. I I won't use the word satisfied because that's, I, 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 that's the word I'm coming up with. I don't like it. It doesn't sound right. But until you're comfortable that, that, that you feel that you've done all you can, I guess, I guess that's the, where I'm going with that. Um, and and those are are all good questions. Those are all good questions. And like I said, we never, we never know where this is going to go or why this happened. And, and just hopefully we can get some good answers for you. Um, anything else before, before we go? No, no, I thank you all, um, for, you know, just helping and, and just being there for me to share. I really appreciate yeah. all of your energy. 
Well, thank you. It takes a lot of energy (laughs) to do what you guys do. Well, you know, you're, I can't help myself. I can't not help people. Um, And it's so unfortunate that it, it, I don't know. It doesn't bring any solace that you're not alone. Right. That's right. It's not, that's not a good, that's not a good answer. But um, one last thing I was thinking about. So Mm -hmm. the last time that you talked to the sheriff's office, um, you know, when you, when you spoke to them, I know you were making some other calls, but after you asked your questions or whenever initially this, this, I don't know if I, well, we talked about Thanksgiving. This happened in November of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just like, you know, we're, we're done and have a nice day. Like, how did they leave it with you? Um, I kept calling and calling and then, you know, they explained, even the medical examiner said, well, you know, we have to wait on the toxicology report, which could take um, 60 to 90 days to get in. And it was about a little over 60, I'm going to say, into the third month. And um, I said, okay. And so it came back. He didn't have anything in his system. um, But they had already, you know, it just said pending investigation. But, you know, nothing wasn't like, yeah, we thoroughly interviewed the co-driver. You know, it wasn't wasn't anything solid. We interviewed him, you know, but there were so many bits and pieces missing that nothing, like I said, was solid. So basically, yeah, they just was like, we're done. Yeah, he did it to himself. Yeah, we're we're done. I mean, you know, basically we didn't need to invest, uh, fingerprint the knife. Um, When I asked about the Video cameras at the terminal. Somebody had to see him walk back there. Oh, they all have cameras back there. What about inside the store? Uh, well, uh, they, maybe they, he said maybe the person who was working the cameras didn't know how to turn them on that day. I mean, it was always he was always guessing at answers he was giving me. Right. You know, and I'm like, how can you have a store and not have your cameras working? What? Oh my well, goodness! It was just like, yeah. Oh my! I do have to say that unfortunately that happens more, more times than not, but yeah, there's a lot of questions again, that, that I see even from the, the small investigation that they did, that we're going to get into the bullpen about, you know, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Because um, even if it is a suicide, I, I would think that you need, you would need some, I don't know if it's first or second or whatever confirmation of that aside from, you know, one, one person's, uh, account of what happened. If you could get some, some secondary confirmation and, and we're going to be talking about ways, ways to get that ways that we can verify. But Christina, even the medical examiner, when it first happened was on the side of the, the detective. And I said, but you're the medical examiner. I said, what about you? I said, you guys never asked me if he was right-handed or left-handed. You know, I do my little criminology 101. I said, and, you know, because that, even if he killed himself with his, if he's right-handed, he kills himself with his left hand, if the knife is going to go in a certain way, the trajectory of the knife, as opposed to if somebody stabbed you straight on. And, and, and then the medical examiner asked me, she said, oh, well, was he? Well, I said, huh? It's not like Quincy. I don't know if you grew up watching Quincy, right? I'm going to date myself, but it's, 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 well, it's, it's not like you see on TV. Right. And, and I don't know, 
necessarily this particular medical examiner, right? I don't want to pigeonhole anybody or comment on anything that, that I don't know, but basically the process is, and again, we'll, we'll talk about ways to verify or whatever. Um, and this is where we're going to raise issues. Like what, what can we change? What, like you mentioned, what can we do better that the, the officers provide the information to the medical examiner. It is very rare that the medical examiner's office goes out. And even though they do have quote investigators, they get information supplied by the police and they, they don't go out. It's not like on TV. They don't go out. It's very rare. They go out to the scene and, and all Mm -hmm. the stuff. So they are working with very limited information. Also, something just to talk about, COVID is going on. Was there a COVID backlog? Was there, I mean, all just horrible things to think, but we don't know what to think. But they, it's not like on TV. And they, they many times get very limited information. No, I got you. So again, something else we can look at and, and if, and we're going to get all the questions together and we'll ask the questions. And if you don't like the answers to the questions or they don't want to answer the questions, we'll figure out, uh, do we have a different way to get the questions answered? Right. Because I want you to feel comfortable. So I'm, you know, I'm like a bull in a China shop. Uh, no is not an option. So we're going to go and go and go and go until we get the answers until we feel comfortable with it. So, um, (laughs) yeah, with that said, um, I really appreciate you talking and telling Ryan's story. Uh, we look forward to hearing a a little bit more about it. Uh, when we have the next bullpen session for people that are listening, you can follow us on our Facebook page and go to our website and ask to be notified so you can join us online. Um, we usually try to have them once or twice a month and, um, we've got two active cases. We've got the Coleman wrongful conviction case. And, um, now we're going to be working on, um, Ryan's case. And well, I want to say we've got three cases, which this is another unfortunate thing to talk about. We've got the Robert Fisher case, which, um, I I've actually done, uh, two news interviews, which happened in Scottsdale, on either, I say either April 9th or April 10th, 2001. It's just been 20 years that this gentleman has been on the run. He's on the FBI 10 most wanted list and we want him caught. So, uh, we're like, yeah, terrible. He, um, if you're not familiar with it, this is, this is part of the problem why we try to get the word out. Yeah. He's been on the 10 most wanted list. He shot his wife, and slit her throat and slit the throat of his two children and set the house on fire and has been on the run. So, yep. We want it 20 years, 20 years. So we want to find him. Yeah. See? Yeah. I get you. We're going to get some answers for these people. So for poor Mary, Brittany and Bobby uh, and their family, we're going to, we're going to try to get answers the best way we can. So I appreciate you, working with us and, and um, everybody that listens to us, thank you for helping us help solve the case. And, and Melanie, thank you. Do the best that you, that you can each day. And um, we look forward to working with you in the bullpen. Same here. Same here. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thank you. We'll talk thank to you, you soon. Honey.